Welcome into the 206th episode of the Young Turfs podcast. This is your host, Mason Viner. Jack is away from the microphone on uh, Maryland, the spring break today. So joining me is my co-host on our new show, Inside the Bag, Ahmed Gafir of Inside the Black and Gold. Ahmed, been a busy, busy couple of, uh, I guess, last 20, what, eight hours of uh, Maryland athletics news. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I uh, feel like it, the news kind of started uh, picking up steam uh, over the weekend, and and obviously uh, Monday morning's announcement of uh, Kevin Willard as the new head coach uh, kicks off a, a big uh, new chapter uh, of the program. Um, so, so new blood, new excitement. Uh, so definitely, definitely some some big news to to go into. And one shout out for the the longtime listeners of this podcast is our former co-host uh, Jordan if you remember in the way back, was always a huge Willard guy, always a big Kevin Willard guy. He shouted out Willard many times, uh, even before Maryland had those home and home series with Seton Hall that he wanted to see Willard, thought that Willard would be a good fit at Maryland. So a name that's been around for a long time. And like we were talking about on Inside the Bag, which can be found on Inside the Black and Gold, uh, I'm in Substack. You know, Willard's been around from the beginning, not the biggest hype hire for Maryland. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it felt like kind of from the get-go, uh, Kevin Willard, uh, Andy Enfield were really the two names that uh, quickly emerged as the two guys that uh, would be interested in the job and uh, have ties to, to the area. And, um, you know, there this is a strong interest. Um, and then they kind of remained uh, in the in the mix kind of throughout, you know, other names like Bruce Pearl uh, obviously had the, the phase with Rick Pitino in there. Uh, but, you know, Willard was really, really a name that uh, from beginning to end, uh, remained a mainstay name in the process, um, was a guy that always kind of wanted to be here, East Coast guy. Um, so I think once once Willard uh, and, and Seton Hall saw their season end after that first round exit against TCU, uh, Maryland was kind of able to know what the asking price was, know what the interest level was. And at that point, uh, you're finalizing a deal. So uh, we're able to act fast. And uh, now we have the, the ninth coach in uh, Maryland men's basketball history. Yeah, hard to believe only number nine, which is where Kevin Willard will slide in uh, to the long list of Maryland coaches, or I guess short list of Maryland coaches, I'll put it that way. Comes in uh, with a career record of 270 and 210 stops uh, with the Celtics as an NBA assistant and then head coaching spots at Iona, Seton Hall, and now Maryland uh, through the college game. What are your expectations for Willard? I mean, I hear that defense is a big principle of his player development over the four years that you're allowed eligibility. Uh, And then, you know, kind of that same churn that Gary Williams had near the end of his career, where every three or four years, Maryland's going to be near the top of the Big Ten, you would hope. But those other years, you know, a mid-range team that's going to be hopefully comfortable in the tournament, but could be on the bubble. Yeah, exactly. And I think you kind of nailed it. The two biggest points is that, you know, he's a defensive minded guy. Um, and then the player development, the player development aspect is something that, you know, whenever you uh, the more you learn about Kevin Willard, you know that that's uh, what he's known best for. Um, and obviously at Seton Hall, um, you know, you would have to kind of adapt just to you with your recruiting strategy and, and kind of building the program. Uh, you're not you know, you're not able to get those, you know, top caliber type players. So being able to get in those diamonds in the rough and being able to develop them over a three, four year process um, is how you are able to build that program. Um, so I think kind of now when he comes into Maryland, the thought processes, you know, Maryland's a bigger program with more resources and obviously uh, uh, taking over in the DMV with just the amount of talent that that is here locally, um, you expect that next step to be taken. And I think that's kind of also where we kind of look at, you know, staff in terms of, you know, 
uh, Maryland capitalizing on the local recruiting footprint that it has. Uh, but with Willard in regards to him, um, what kind of I expect uh, from from the Willard era, uh, like you said, you know, I expect to see kind of a, a defensive team, a team that um, is able to kind of play on both ends a little bit. But uh, Willard, you know, Akeem Hart for a guy like him, he, he's been able to kind of take big step, big strides these first two years, um, getting Willard to work with uh, with uh, a six foot eight uh, guard like him who can shoot. Um, I think that's kind of where he he finds that role. Um, so I think I think that'll be kind of interesting. Um, and then again, like we said, you know how he's able to balance out the staff and whatnot, get the the, the elite athletes into the program. Um, so I think it's uh, definitely definitely a lot of intrigue right now. Yeah, I would say so. And one of those things, at least for me, somebody that's you know been part of a family that's had Maryland season tickets for a long time is. If you look at Seton Hall's schedules since they really came on as a program, Kevin Willard certainly is not afraid to go on the road or host big name teams. Maryland being one of those opponents that Seton Hall got uh, in that fit into that big name thing. They weren't afraid to come to Xfinity Center. And that game, uh, for those of you that remember, was absolutely dead. It was like a five o'clock tip on a weeknight. But, you know, Maryland playing those games through Gavit or through the Gavit games through that Big East Big Ten kind of relationship that was put together. But just this past year, Willard on the road to Texas, uh, they played, I know, a preseason tournament that was pretty high profile. So we will be seeing those opponents, I think, come into Xfinity Center, maybe not this next year, but in the future. And I agree with that. And I think that, you know, you, you definitely saw over this last couple of months, you saw Damon talk about the need to strength, uh, strength uh, a schedule to uh, the excuse me, schedule a little bit tougher um, and, and schedule more marquee matchups in that non-conference slate. Uh, you saw Turgeon uh, to start this year. Uh, obviously, the, the you know some of these the the, the Bahamas tour um, obviously mm-hmm. having Virginia Tech, uh, just a couple other non-conference opponents um, in an attempt to to bolster that to generate that excitement from fans. Um, so I think that's something that uh, Damon Evans really respects out of Willard, um, and definitely, like you said, uh, something that we're going to see more of. Uh, have that be you know more of a mainstay in College Park rather than uh, than an anomaly. Yeah, and and one of those things you just mentioned was. A question that always sticks in my mind as as Maryland was winding down the Turgeon era in the Bahamas, I believe it was a media member on the Maryland side that asked Turgeon about the schedule and he brushed it off and said, why don't you just ask our AD? Um, so, you know, having a guy that I think fit that was a big part of Damon's philosophy because I, I know that you've talked to Damon Evans and, and we've had him on Turp Talk shows since he first was in Maryland as just a football athletic director. One of those things that he's always hammered is one of the ways to get fans in is to schedule opponents that the fans want to see. And that was one of the things that got very stale with Turgeon and possibly played a factor. You know, they talked to a handful of people about this and they want to know what that profile is to play big name opponents. Well, what is your take on strengthening up the schedule and and getting fans in? Because, look, we talked about it uh, last week uh, near the end of the week uh, on Inside the Bag. When you look at Maryland's schedule, you look at the fans and you look at the excitement level that Willard's bringing in for Maryland, they have got to find a way to almost artificially pump that up. And that's going to be done in a couple of ways. And one of them is saying that we're going to play tough opponents on our floor and then go there the next year and work things out like that. Cause you need to make this an event at this point. It's lost a lot of that feeling around it. Yeah, exactly that. And I think just as a whole, I think uh, just, just with Maryland able to instill a new coach, it just feels like it's, it's just new blood. It's, you know, turning the page, um, and like you said, just being able to, to, to get that fan engagement and uh, and kind of capitalize on the potential added excitement around the program, um, you know, for what's to come, uh, just optimism. Um, so I, I, I agree, just just Maryland kind of, um, you know, 
staying true to, to what Willard did at Seton Hall and just kind of uh, growing and adapting now that he's in College Park. Um, but like you said, I think it's just, it, it was definitely time for, for the change. Like you mentioned, you know, Turgeon bringing up the, the AD comment. I remember that, uh, I think it was after the, the Richmond game. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, and I, I, again, I think it'll be kind of interesting and, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, Willard scheduling tough and, uh, I, I did notice that, uh, he had, what was it? 28 wins over, uh, top 25 teams, uh, over, over his, over his career, uh, 18 wins over top 15 teams. So, um, he's a guy that, you know, again, uh, a lot of people look at the, the postseason success and things like that, but, uh, I do think that he does bring some, uh, some, uh, excitement and qualities, uh, into the Terrapin program now. Yeah, and Willard's introductory press conference tonight at six o'clock. I believe it's going to be live televised on the Big Ten Network. I think they announced that uh, late yesterday, and that's one of the reasons for the time slot. Fans also invited to it, which I think that's interesting. Don't see that much uh, at Maryland. Maryland's no. not really big on that. No, you don't. I think it's a smart, smart move. It's an easy move for Maryland to, again, we talked about the fan support, winning fans over, uh, just getting that engagement back. Uh, it was an easy way for, to, to be able to to include the Maryland fans, the, the people that, you know, you want to get back into the seat. So um, definitely unusual, but smart move. And kind of going down my thoughts, at least on it, is Maryland's bringing in a guy that I think, in my opinion, and I wasn't, I would have rather had Brave if that's what it came down to. I'll be fully honest about that. There are a lot of people that would have said Willard, but that that's kind of up in the air. But I think when you really shorten down the list of of candidates that are considered you come up with a couple of things and I think Kevin Willard checks the boxes on that there's been a lot of people that said uh, the requirements that a lot of people wanted to see met aren't but when you look at this as a whole Seton Hall is not necessarily at least in my opinion is not a basketball powerhouse doesn't have the abilities that Maryland has but you're bringing in a guy that develops talent well generally is known as a great game coach has a lot of passion, is an East Coast guy, understands what Maryland basketball is about. When you look down that list, what do you think is missing from Willard? And where do you think he'll really, really succeed at Maryland? So I th I, I do think that Willard, uh, uh, I remember when Damon mentioned one of the criteria was you want someone to be here. And, you know, Willard, you're, you're lying if you think that he doesn't want to be here. I mean, this was something that you heard from the beginning till obviously now, uh, you know, Maryland was a job that he wanted to, to be at. Um, so I think that's a box that he checks off. But um, I think a big, big, uh, big piece that fans don't, um, don't have a positive, uh, I guess, image of, of Damon Evans right now is just from the sense that, you know, Damon, even what, 10 days ago was saying, I don't believe anyone to my knowledge uh, knows what I'm thinking. Uh, making the, the the claims that you know we we have the resources for a very very competitive salary, making it known that you had the money for a potential buyout. Um, I think Damon set some expectations up for a grand slam, you know, Nate Oates, Bruce Pearl type hire, um, and it felt like even though you know behind the scenes that Kevin Willard was always a name that was realistic and he was a good candidate. Um, I think and. I understand the fan perspective that Damon kind of shot himself in the foot that he built this to be a lot more than what it was. And at the end of the day, uh, that's kind of where I see some fans potentially seeing that disappointment kind of set in with, oh, it's Willard when, you know, you you, you saw your name in the mix with guys like a Bruce Pearl, like a Rick Pitino. Um, but again, I think if, if Kevin Willard comes in and he wins, 
no one will say anything. If he comes in and he pulls in a staff, I, you know, I mentioned over the weekend, Tony Skin, uh, he's a Ohio State assistant. He's a guy that I was told yesterday would help with uh, Team Durant and Team Takeover. And if you're able to get local guys, then it all works. But uh, I just think the the process is didn't didn't sit well with everyone. In my yeah, eyes. I have to agree with that. You know, it's it's a game of setting expectations, and you hear that in it seems like everything now set the expectation the right way when you're in any kind of business and in athletics, when you're relying on donors, it is a business where you really have to set those expectations. And that may have been missed. The one piece that going off of your points that I think was really put out there is what the market really is for college basketball coaches right now in terms of money and in terms of contract. If you look at the rumored contracts, I'm sure will be confirmed over the next couple of days that, that sources that are considered reliable on this have been able to confirm. Maryland's thrown out a seven-year deal. Everybody seems to be throwing out seven to 10 to crazy lifetime, like the Patino one that was thrown around. Yeah. And when you look at that kind of commitment, I, I think that that shakes some heads right now. But look, Maryland, not in the best spot right now. I think it's viewed nationally as as far as attitude and the guys that Maryland was looking at as a rebuild in terms of attitude and culture, not going to say similar to something like the football program, but if you look at just the mindsets of the players and the things that they've, you know, not been able to complete really finishing games off, haven't brought hundred percent effort. If you're a coach looking for a quick turnaround, you need effort guys, usually almost more so over talent. Yeah. And when you look at Maryland, I just don't think any coach could look at it and say, this is just a quick turnaround. We're going to be back in where Maryland fans expect, which I believe now is the top 15 reading a lot of the comments that have been thrown around. And I think that's a tough look. It's a tough sell to any coach to say they could really turn this thing around in a second. Not that it can't be done, but those are what you have to sell on when you're looking to give a four-year deal instead of a seven-year deal. Yeah. And I feel, and, and that's why, and I've, I've heard the same, you know, this the, the seven-year deal and it bumps a uh, hundred thousand each year. And, you know, like you said, uh, we're, we're waiting on that finalized contract. But one thing I'm just super curious about is kind of how the buyout structure and just how the contract is kind of worded. Cause I do think that seven years is, is a long leash. Um, and I feel pretty strongly in football. I've told friends this, but I feel like in football, you have to give a head coach four years because four years, gives that head coach a chance to not only get his players in, but you build them up and then you're able to accurately gauge. Okay. We, we saw the vision. We saw the outcome. Is this, is this something we want to continue in basketball? It's a little bit different because you're able to get a player or two. And, you know, you look at Iowa state who finished uh, two, what was it? Two and 22 last year, three and 22. And, you know, now they're in the sweet 16. You're able to kind of get guys uh, and tweak things a lot easier, a lot quicker than football. Um, but I do think that Maryland basketball, you know, just with, I think if, if things don't go well, I don't know what the resources look down the line, but I think that by year three at the latest, Maryland fans will have a very good idea as to, okay, you know, Willard's the guy, Willard's not, we see things that go well. So that's kind of why I'm curious to see just how the contract is structured. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you do kind of wonder if potentially just with, with this growing trend in, in, in college athletics where the contracts have to be longer. Um, and, and, you know, you always talk here about the recruiting aspect of it. It's seven years. I mean, you're not really uh, setting yourself up for any potential recruiting hindrances or anything like that. Uh, but I do think it'll be kind of interesting to see just kind of once you get to that point um, of when you kind of know, um, you know, what Maryland's able to do. So I think it will be kind of interesting, um, but I did not expect seven years. I, mentally, I thought it would be a five, five-year deal. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And kind of wrapping things up, I look at this and, you know, it doesn't check every box. It's not the blockbuster of all blockbuster hires, but I don't really think that's a spot where Maryland, in terms of admin, given the characters that were thrown around, is was in place. I think that this is disappointing only to some disappointing only because it's a name that's been thrown out for years and it feels in a certain point in the inside fan or the inside, you know, just somebody that just turns the game on as somebody that almost feels like a retread, even though he's not, he's never made it to this level. This is the highest level of basketball in his career progression. But since we've been talking about Kevin Willard for a year, every time somebody brought up Turgeon in a potential list of replacement, Willard's name was on there. I think it lost some of its feeling, but overall, I think a good move by Maryland, somebody that's going to bring, I would think, winning basketball back to Maryland. And at least given the body of work, high effort players that bring back some of the more old Maryland, Gary Williams uh, feelings, Ahmed, your last takes on it and shout out uh, where fans can find your work. Yeah. uh, And honestly, I I think um, just with Kevin Willard being named, uh, I think part of it is also the, the, the fact that it's not, a, it, like you said, it's not new. Uh, and when it's new and it's shiny, it feels more special. Um, and Willard was, was kind of, you heard his name, like you said, over pretty much for the last year when it talked about, you know, replacing Turgeon and things like that. Um, I just think, I hope uh, with Willard being in place, with the search being done, with Maryland able to actually talk about next steps and move forward that, um, you know, that I never see Xfinity as empty as it was this past year. And I think that mm-hmm. Uh, Maryland fans should just give this guy a chance and then go from there. Uh, the, 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 the premeditated ideas of, um, you know, I don't like this hire and things like that. Just put it aside. Uh, just, just, you know, move on. So that's, that's what I most look forward to. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting. Like you said, press conference today at six o'clock, you'll be able to watch it on big 10 network. You'll be able to also stream it, I believe on Maryland athletics, YouTube page. Um, so it should be a great day. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what Damon Evans, uh, what, what Kevin Willard has to say. And uh, if you want to check us out anything more, you can find us at uh, amagafir.substack.com. Head over to Inside the Black and Gold. We got a lot of local coverage from uh, some head coaches, feedback on Kevin Willard, on some central assistants, some recruit feedback. So, um, so it's definitely, definitely only going to pick up. So uh, we, we shall see how it unfolds. Yeah, and Ahmed and I have a new show that lives on Inside the Black and Gold called Inside the bag it covers all things maryland football and now maryland basketball recruiting we've been kind of throwing putting off the basketball recruiting aspect of it as we're waiting for this announcement but a new show on there uh, and that will also be found on turftalk.com occasionally uh, where we cover all things recruiting i'm at also on the shell and tell podcast uh, which it covers all things maryland as well and i'm sure we'll be having an episode about this uh, after kevin willard's uh, official press conference comes out tonight We'll have more coverage here on the Young Turfs podcast as things roll uh, on into the Kevin Willard era we go. Jack will be back over the weekend and we'll recap things with him. As always, Ahmed, thanks for hopping on here. We appreciate it. And as always, thanks for listening.